Welcome to Lessons in Leadership, Steve Adubato, Mary Gamba. Mary, we have a fascinating guest who has props. I thought I had props here. I got a giant thing. I got a jet football. I've got all kinds of props here. I got T-shirts. By the way, can, can people go on our website, Mary, to get a T-shirt? I have my prop too. Actually, we didn't put it on our website, but why don't I? That'll yeah, be fun. Yeah, it's a shirt. hundred bucks. No, I'm joking. It's not. <laughs> Just go on our website. We're going to put it up there. But Mary, do me a favor. Introduce Ryan because we're going to talk about team building and you are a great team member. Absolutely. Ryan Stevens, nice to have you with us. Speaker and organizational coach for Catalyzing Coaching and Consulting. Ryan, thank you so much for being with us today and for just bringing the energy level. It's just a pleasure to have you on. Absolutely. So glad to be here, Steve. I know you like props. That's why I had it ready to go in case it came up. (laughs) I got this ball from the Somerset Patriots. Patrick McVeary, the general manager there, recommended you. Did you you know that I threw out the first pitch? at a Patriots game and threw a 94 mile an hour strike off the mound? I did, actually, I saw the video. Um, it looked like a two seam, there was movement on it. And it was, you know, people talk about it still. It, to it's day. like the shot heard around the world, right? It's like everybody <laughs> has heard about this. <laughs> since, uh, since leadership is about being honest, it was actually not on the mound. It was at the bottom of the mound and is it was 56 miles an hour. I just want to clarify that. Did they actually, um, did they actually clock it? No, I made that, Mary, oh. I made the whole thing up. We stop. So uh, do us a favor, Ryan. Um, catalyzing, coaching, and where the heck's the name come from? When people see the graph, they're going to be like, hey, what's up with that? Go ahead. Absolutely. Um, first of all, when it comes to the catalyzing, you know, the catalyzing concept is something that sparks change in something else. Um, and that could be in a good way or a not so good way. So the the catalyzing brand, the igniting potential, um, being a spark or finding, helping someone bring out their own spark. That's really where the brand came from when I launched my podcast four years ago, the catalyzing podcast, the catalyzing coaching and consulting, the, the big A and T is for awesome teams. Um, my foundation for 20 years, I've been a licensed healthcare provider, uh, an athletic trainer. So of course there's the AT there, but awesome teams is really what I'm here to help guide organizations for, um, because it feels really great to be a part of that. And there's so many different things to go into that. Good stuff. And Ryan, you also came from our good friend, Rob Sansone up at Fedway. Talk about great teams. Uh, our company, our firm, Stand and Deliver, has been doing the uh, leading the Fedway Leadership Academy for going into uh, the third year. And I will tell you, that is a great team. Fedway is a great team. They also happen to be a sponsor of Lessons in Leadership, if you will. But I got to ask you this. Is being a great team member, our daughter is 13 playing softball, and there are times when she's doing really well. She's a great team member. But she literally hopes she's not watching this. She got pinch run for the other day because someone was actually faster than her on the team. And I saw her sulking and not happy. And she went out to play third base next inning and made an error. And I could tell she wasn't there. Question, is it natural for us to be great team members and sometimes realize that the the coach makes a decision that's best for the team, even if we don't like it? I know that's complicated. Mm -hmm. It's not about our daughter. It's about being a team member, which ain't about us. Go ahead. No, that's a great question. I think that's one of the biggest challenges leaders face now with such a diverse workforce. And then you got people that are working hybrid, uh, they're working remote, they're in the office. You have all these personalities, all these different areas that people um, that are important to each of those team members. I feel one of the most important things you can do as a leader is really empower the, the concept of shared leadership. 
What I mean by that is everybody has to take ownership of what they can control and what their role is in the bigger picture. And it's a leader's job and responsibility to communicate that clearly, but also empathetically. And what that comes down to is if you have people with different skill sets, they have to be very clear on what their expectations are, as well as what their expectations are of the leader and where they fit into that journey and that mission. So in the example of that you gave, there may be times where there's a, someone else on the team that is more appropriate for that role or that project. Absolutely. And you have, as a leader, have to make that decision. But here's the key. If you just do it and you move on, that doesn't help the future. This is an opportunity where you can have a mentorship opportunity or you can build up that person that wants that, tag them together in small group work, and then have shared leadership and empower them to be a part of it, which is so crucial. And then you get them to buy in and then next time that comes out, it's their time to step in and hit. As Mary jumps in here, the mistake that was made was that the coach did not explain, and she's a great coach, love her. Mm -hmm. But then the next morning I said, Olivia, do you know why you were pinch run for? She goes, no. I said, well, so-and-so was a faster runner. No, she's not. <laughs> and so now our daughter's delusional about how fast she is. <laughs> that being, I'm sorry, Mary. I'll deal with our family issues separately. I, I swear ahead, we share a brain, though, because I was just going to talk about that defensiveness and that defense yes. mechanism. Steve and I often, I mean, so Steve and I, yeah, Ryan, Ryan and I, and I have talked, me. yeah, Ryan, Steve and I have worked together for 23 years. So I used to be defensive. I used to not be able to be open to hearing feedback, right? It's a gift, they say. Yeah, it's not a gift because it doesn't feel like a gift. That's a gift. It's a gift I don't want. But how do you manage building a collaborative team where one that I know you talk a lot about trust. I did my research. But when you give that feedback to your team members, and like Steve was just talking about Olivia, you know, I, yeah, I, I'm just as fast or I'm faster than her. So where does the whole defensiveness and in, in trying to get that team to not be defensive when you are having to make tough decisions? And I can relate to that because especially early in my career as a young adult, that was me. I was, I was stubborn. I was set in my ways. I had, to, I, I was really effective <laughs> at what I did, but I I didn't have a good, I didn't do a good job of accepting feedback. And what I've learned through, I got my master's degree in humanistic and multicultural education. I've studied under Dale Carnegie training systems, Daniel Goleman, the man there, emotional intelligence is- I'm so just saying, amazing. go ahead. Absolutely. And, and what I feel, Mary, it's a great question. Affirmation and demonstrations of support are so crucial as a leader, but then also a leader empowering an environment where the team members do that for one another. When you can feel like you can be yourself on the team, when you can feel a little vulnerable, and I always took pride in that as a leader, being vulnerable with my team when I needed support with things, when I was looking for feedback because I wanted to be best, my best version for them. So when you do those things, you bring the walls down, you build bridges, not walls. So you have to find ways in order to have that conversation. You affirm them. You provide feedback that's constructive, but you also help them realize it's not that they're being reprimanded or that they're wrong. It is helping them make a decision together of next time this happens, how do we handle this? What can we do? We're all human. We make mistakes yeah. as long as we learn from them. But the key is as a leader and team members is having conversations that are open for two, two directional conversation that allows you to let that wall down. I appreciate that, Mary, but let, let's play this out a little bit more. I will be, quote, vulnerable. Mm -hmm and show my vulnerability otherwise in my family known as weakness. Mm -hmm. I don't want to play word games. Yeah. I will let Mary see it because there's 23 years, there's trust and yes. whatever. 
I can't let the rest of the team know that I'm as vulnerable as I let Mary know I am. So it isn't the degree to which we demonstrate or show vulnerability strategic based on who our audience is? It's strategic in terms of who else is in the room and the audience. Absolutely. Right. Because it's a matter of as a leader, it's about them. It's not about me. It's about what is best for my team while I'm driving the bus and putting people in the right position to be successful. Is there so no I in team? What was that? Is there no I in team? Um, eyes make up the team, but they have to be a collective we. So everybody has to be an I in terms of owning their space and what they do. But the team is the we. Does that make sense? It does, but I... Mary, real quick, because because Ryan's with us right now, and I don't want to take up too much time back and forth. Mary, do you believe that the rest of the team could and should know that I'm feeling vulnerable as the leader, or you as a co-leader of the team, feeling vulnerable about fundraising or about our future? Or do we have to present to them, hey, we got this? I'm going to do a an answer of both. I think that the team does need to know that their leader is a human being and that they do sometimes feel vulnerable because once you show that, but then you also give them the confidence in your next breath of, yeah, you know, is it going to be hard to reach our numbers this month? Absolutely. I feel that. But I'm going to, I'm here to tell you that I have the confidence in us and our team to get there. So I think you need to have a little bit of sprinkling of both. Hold on. We're taking this late. Hold Uh, on. Ryan, we're taping this. Here we go. No, I'm going to do it. We're taping this in late September. It'll be seen later. The season will be over. It's already over for the Jets. Robert Sala, who right now is the coach of the Jets, we don't know what's going to happen. Scarlin's looking at me, right? He had to tell his team that their best chance to win was with Zach Wilson, who's probably, I don't know where he is right now, as as it's going to be seen. I don't believe he believed that. Can he be vulnerable enough to say, listen, I know we can't win with this guy. I know that we have no chance. We lost We lost Aaron Rodgers. I mean, what are we going to do? You can't put that out there, Ryan, right? Well, I, I agree with you in that you can't be um, demonstrating vulnerability in a way that brings others down. I look at it as demonstrating vulnerability in that we can do this together. We're going to figure it out. We may not have it figured out yet, or I need help with X, Y, and Z. And you know what? Mary, Steve, you two are fantastic at that. Can I get your support with this? Because we have the opportunity to take this on. So you reframe the vulnerability in a way that is beneficial and brings them in to the shared mission versus looking like it's a me versus them or pointing fingers type thing. But you're right. There's times where you have, as a leader, you have to shield them from the crap. You have to shield them from the bad stuff and be like, listen, we got this. This is our best opportunity. In your head, you may be thinking, oh, crap, we lost Aaron Rodgers. But in, as you know, everything is in this guy right now. Zach Wilson, he's the man. We're well, as we speak, you can't go in and say, we suck. We know we're not going to win. You can't do that. Exactly. Even yeah. if you think, hold on, I'll let you go <laughs> after this. Even, Ryan, if you think it in your heart and in your head, we, we stink. We're never going to win. We lost our guy. He was everything to us. You can't do that. You're right. You got to no, build I'm them asking. up. You can't do that. No, no, you're right. You, you have to, you have to build up your team, okay. and that's and that's demonstrating support and affirmation. That's Ryan Stevens, speaker, organizational coach with Catalyzing Coaching and Consulting. I want to thank Rob Sansone from Fedway. There's your Pat prop, Rosary. Steve. There's oh. your prop. You got that wrestling belt. Oh, Mary and I love WWE and uh, right. what's and the other AEW. wrestling? It's, it's AEW. the Catalyzing Team Champion. 
And then we've got the own your spark side plate. Oh my gosh. Look at and this. the fire within side plate. I am in so, love. Um, I, bring, I bring this amazing. to my, my gigs and uh, people love it. And my clients, uh, they get to take advantage of some stuff with it. So that's great. Ryan, thank you, my friend. Good stuff. I appreciate you both. Mary and I will be back right after this. <laughs> this edition of Lessons in Leadership is made possible by the Bicino Leadership Institute at Seton Hall University, Pregramatis, Valley Bank, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, the North Ward Center, the New Jersey Sharing Network, Delta Dental of New Jersey, the Helix, Fedway Associates, Inc., Veolia, resourcing the world, the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey, and Seton Hall University, showing the world what great minds can do since 1856. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. That's stand-deliver.com. Promotional support for this edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, has been provided by NJ.com, NJBIA, and New Jersey Business Magazine, CIANJ, and Commerce Magazine, and Meadowlands Media, a print and digital business news network. Most people don't think about where their water comes from, but we do. Veolia. More than water. Resourcing the world. Lessons in Leadership is pleased to welcome Marty Smith, ESPN host and the author of Sideline CEO, Leadership Principles from Championship Coaches. Marty, good to have you with us. It is such a blessing to be here. I appreciate you all offering me the platform to share about it. Thank you. You got it. First off, how'd you get into broadcasting? Dumb luck. <laughs> I um, I studied print journalism in college a hundred years ago before I had all this gray hair, and I uh, was a print reporter and columnist for about the first six or so seven years of my career, and then in the fall around oh five oh six, I got a phone call from ESPN, and I was in the NASCAR world at that time, and they were putting together their broadcast team for reinjecting themselves into the NASCAR world. And they called me and said, everyone with whom they spoke in the garage area said my name that I knew the race drivers well. And I had a really good pulse of what was going on news wise and that they would like to, for me to consider maybe coming to ESPN and being a broadcaster. And I thought they had the wrong number. <laughs> I thought they were calling my friend, Marty Snyder, who's a tremendous broadcaster told them I would give them his number if they wanted it. Yeah. And they ultimately said, no, nah, man, just, just think about it. And guys, I'm a guy who I would rather crash and burn and fail because I tried knowing that I couldn't then wonder 30 years from now, if I could have. And so I jumped in with both feet and now I'm 18 years into my ESPN television life and full of gratitude every day for the opportunities that affords me. Well said. Let me ask you this, Marty. In the book, um, Sideline CEOs, you talk to all these coaches, including Nick Saban, uh, University of Alabama. I will admit that I do not root for, <laughs> along with millions of others, I do not right. root for uh, the Roll Tide. No folks. judgment. No judgment. Tom Izzo, Michigan State. Woo-woo. My son goes there. Mary's got all a right. connection. And Kim Mulkey. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Kim, Kim Mulkey. Okay. Can we start with Kim Mulkey? Whoever you want. Yes, sir. 
passion, fiery, intense. Question, as college sports evolve and change, name, image, likeness, transfer, portal, et cetera, Coach K, got a lot of props here. I got some stuff on Coach K talking about how he had to evolve as a coach, as the game evolved, as players evolved, as the rules evolved. Does Kim Mulkey need to change, or is she just, just going to be the way she is, and that's it? Go ahead. She she has changed. And, in fact, that she, she told me in the pages of Sideline CEO that what she believes is arguably the greatest endorsement of her coaching life is that her players laud her for staying current. She continues to evolve, and you can be an absolute badass. You can be demanding. We as human beings want to be coached. We want structure, and we want those principles by which we are led, but we also want the individualism that we can be our authentic selves within that scope. Mm -hmm. And she told me in the book that her players love that she allows for all of that. And she is flamboyant and she is passionate and she is gritty. And I love every bit of that. Just because you have that approach doesn't mean that you aren't evolutionary at the same time. And if you're not evolutionary, you're going to die. Classic Eckhart Tolle. Change or die. Correct. Evolve. I I don't know if change and evolve are the same thing. Okay, I don't want to play word games. Oh, you you differentiate. Go ahead. Uh, I think Eve. I think evolution is continuing to grow yourself within the core principles of who you are. Changing is altering the core principles. Hold on one second, Mary. As you jump in here, Elvin Badger, our director, told me about a year ago. Steve, you came in with a crappy attitude. You started the day off. He's tired of me talking about this, and he he, he challenged me, and he said. When you come in like that, it ruins the rest of the production day. And I had to, other than being angry with him, but there is no better director, so I couldn't fire him. So uh, <laughs> I had to, I had to change. Marty, I had to change. I wasn't. I, I had to literally say, "Did you change? That behavior is not okay." Go ahead. Did you change the core way that you do your job? I changed the core way I approached my job. You evolved the- as a human being. All right, Mary, jump in because I, I, I am loving. I I want to have you on with us like all day long. I am just grinning from ear to ear. But I agree. But I I I want to go back to something you said that just kind of rang true with me a little bit. Talking about the authentic self, how can there be an authentic self but also have a team culture? Right, Tom Izzo. I know, obviously, out of all these coaches, I'm not a huge sports person. Obviously, I've got my Yankees and the Giants, and I watch them. You know, it hurts. But as far as Tom Izzo goes, from what I see here, he's like the genuine real deal. But how do yeah, but how do you encourage your individual teammates to be authentic while also being a team? How does that go hand in hand? Don't they kind of that's a great question. Uh, I think that you have to establish a culture, which the culture is the energy that everyone in the building is walking around in every single day. But it's incumbent upon the leader of that culture to meet everyone where they are emotionally as an individual. And if you do that and you allow, look, there's rules. You can't just be, you know, it can't be the Wild West in terms of your personality or your authenticity. You have to fit within that structure. But at the same, like I would say, you know, kind of guardrails are important in order to establish and sustain excellence. 
But look at Deion Sanders right now in Colorado. Like what he walked into an irrelevant culture and flipped it immediately with his personality, with the fact that he injected hope and belonging, not only into the program, into the university, into the state of Colorado, but into every single kid that's on that roster. Yeah, you can't not watch it. I mean, plus his, his you know, eyeglasses are always really cool. So Biggest story in sports. <laughs> exactly. And it doesn't matter that as we do this program at the end of September, they're three and one. It doesn't even matter where they end the, where they wind up at the end of the season. But Correct. to me, Deion Sanders is an extraordinary example of a dynamic, fiery, passionate, take no prisoners leader who said, listen, we're going to start from scratch. And people say, I can't start. No, he started from scratch. No matter what happens, it's a dramatic improvement. I'm going to come back to something, Marty. Um, do you believe that coaching as a leadership paradigm, that coaching players on the college and the college level is dramatically different because of name, image, and likeness and the transfer portal in that you invest in someone, just like we lost a couple of talented people in the last few years, gone, right? But in college sports, it looks like, it feels like that person could leave immediately and you invest in them. That how the heck do you build a team with a future with very little stability because someone can go like that? Go ahead. Uh, it's a great point. And I think that most coaches at the Power Five level specifically are still trying to figure that out. I think right, it's right, a the top. That's the most elite level. So go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, the, at the top of college football, it's it's permeated most of college football because let's say you're a young person who just missed on Power Five and you've had a great career in the Group of Five and your dream has always been to go to the top level. You now have the opportunity to do that because you're a developed player. But I think that again, going back to kind of the culture that Nick Saban, for example, is the standard. Alabama. Is the standard. He's created a culture where he makes it about the player. Do you want to go to the NFL or not? Do you want to do whatever it takes every single day and have the self-accountability to demand greatness of self in order to achieve the dreams that you have? I can give you the way. I can show you, but it's on you in order to do it. And so the answer to your original question is, yes, they've had to change. Yes, it's different. Yes, they're still working through the vast differences of kids can just leave. But then there's the rebuttal on the other side of that is coaches have always been able to just leave. That's right. So which leaves those, which leaves those kids, those not, those young men and or young women. Young men, right. Young men. And women who plays for, that's it. Where's my coach? You recruited me. You, you talked to my parents. You told them you'd take care of me. Now you're gone because you got a better deal? And Tough it stuff. is interesting, though, what, what, what a sub this is, this is the most transformative moment in the history of NCAA athletics because mm -hmm. of NIL portal, conference realignment, all those things happening at the same time. That's it's, right. And, and I do believe that, that the players deserve the right to – to benefit from their name, image, likeness. But let's be real here. What it was established to be was to benefit off your name, image, likeness. What it has become is pay for play. Yep. i tell you what, uh, Mary, let's make sure we use this segment on the public broadcasting side too. Oh, because this is there are societal issue, issues, leadership issues, sports issues, cultural issues, financial. 
lot going on. The author is Marty Smith, by the way, forward by uh, Tim Tebow. Fascinating, not just athlete, but just a really interesting guy. Sideline CEO, leadership principles from championship coaches. Marty Smith, thank you so much, our friend. And we look forward to having you on again. So grateful that you guys gave me the time. I appreciate it. Love your spirit. Thank you. You got it. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Promotional support for this edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, has been provided by NJ.com, NJBIA, and New Jersey Business Magazine, CIANJ, and Commerce Magazine, and Meadowlands Chamber, celebrating 50 years of building connections and driving business growth. Mary, uh, we just heard from uh, Marty Smith, the book, Sideline CEO. How much did you love that? I loved it. it. It's so funny. I thought that I really loved dog segments, but now Marty has just converted me to a sports segment. Well, you're, no, not I, giving, I, you're not giving up on the dogs. I'm not giving up on the dogs, but I think it also is because he stemmed from the NASCAR. So it wasn't like he went right into the whole sports thing. I love NASCAR. I love that whole vibe. The, you know, a little bit of, I'm sure he listens to country music. Well, and, I realize uh, more and more how different we are, but go ahead. Yeah, we're very, very different. And I just loved his vibe. I loved his energy. And the, the biggest takeaway away for me is I felt it. He said it. He's just grateful. He's thankful. He's appreciative. And so often we all lose that of just mm. being grateful and feeling blessed because I think we all just get in our own heads and we're so selfish. And that's really the biggest takeaway beyond all the leadership and sports from that conversation. In addition to all that, and I agree with everything you just said, this is an interesting concept. As a coach, as a leader, and, and even though we're talking about basketball, football, sports, the name, image, and likeness, the transfer portal, someone's on your team, you recruit them, you invest in them, you build a team, and they're gone. Is it that much different in corporate America? Is it that much different in our world? Is it that much different in any kind of organization where you're a leader? We've, people are tired of, I'm sure you and I are tired of talking about losing talented people because we have a great, great team right now. Mm -hmm. In my mind, Mary... I literally, because we've lost some people, and it's, it's not a transfer portal, it's because they can go other places and do whatever. They're transferring to someplace else, not through a portal. But here's the thing. In my mind, as a coach of our team, as a leader of our team, in my mind, I prepare for, the truth is this. We have a, um, we have a very talented young man here today who's working the camera. Why? Because we need a backup. Mm -hmm. We need to have a succession plan. Scarlett, why are well, you planning on leaving us anytime soon? So here's the deal. When people don't plan for that's what the Jets didn't do. I'm sorry. The Jets brought in the top guy, fourth play, he's gone. Now they have no quarterback. You need a backup to the backup. You need a succession plan. You need a deep bench. And too many teams, whether it's sports or corporate America, they count on one person. Mm -hmm. It's a mistake. Go ahead. Yeah, no, you see it all the time. I mean, you saw it when, you know, Aaron Judge broke his foot and you see it now in football and even in business. If you can't have an entire team, whether in corporate America or in sports, leaning on just one person, because if that one person falters, gets ill, gets injured or walks away and taps out or has a nervous breakdown, the rest of it's going to crumble. So you need to have that succession plan locked in. We've got uh, April. We've got a backup makeup artist. You're not going anywhere, right? Just want to make sure. Calvin, going anywhere? No, sir. I, I just had a conversation with Mary earlier today. What? 
<laughs> no, that he's not going anywhere. He is here to stay. <laughs> Hold on. I need, I need to check this out. Frank, on the audio? Retirement at some point. Okay, just give us a date. Okay, we'll plan for it. Even though there's no way to replace Frank Brown. <laughs> uh, hey, listen, I hope this wasn't depressing to people that everyone's going to be leaving your organization anytime no soon. No one's leaving. But no, I'm teasing. I'm joking. <laughs> Elvin, our boss, says goodbye. Goodbye. Um, what an inspiring, interesting show. Lessons in Leadership. See you next time. This edition of Lessons in Leadership is made possible by the Vicino Leadership Institute at Seton Hall University, Pregramatis, Valley Bank, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, the North Ward Center, the New Jersey Sharing Network, Delta Dental of New Jersey, The Helix, Fedway Associates, Inc., Veolia, Resourcing the World, the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey, and Seton Hall University, showing the world what great minds can do since 1856. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. That's stand-deliver.com. Promotional support for this edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, has been provided by NJ.com, NJBIA, and New Jersey Business Magazine, CIANJ, and Commerce Magazine, and Meadowlands Chamber, celebrating 50 years of building connections and driving business growth. Most people don't think about where their water comes from, but we do. Veolia, more than water, resourcing the world.